right. people that are thinking about a podcast, I've been on social media, Instagram and Facebook primarily for five years. And I am almost at 3,000 posts on Instagram. My podcast in five weeks has reached a much greater audience. Wow. Like, I feel like the competition, I'm doing reels, I do, you know, educational, informative posts. Like, you know, you see cute doodle puppies every day on my Instagram, the doodle pro, but um, getting real knowledge and people being able to multitask and not just swipe to the next thing has really created a different level of engagement and a broader audience. Welcome to the Podcast Launchpad, where you'll learn the tools you need to use your podcast to be a go-to expert in your field, expand your audience, and get more clients. I'm your host, Kelly. Enjoy the show. Doodle expert Corinne Gerhardt is internationally known as the Doodle Pro. No one has professionally worked with as many different doodle breeds or has more experience with doodles than she has. And she shares her knowledge in a fun, compassionate, and non-judgmental way. Corinne is also the host of the chart-topping The Doodle Pro podcast, which hit number three in the United States in Pets and Animals in its second week of release. Welcome, Corinne. I'm so happy you're here today. So happy to join you, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So how did you get into working with and teaching others about doodles? I actually am allergic to dogs. So <laughs> I owned um, the area. I founded and owned the area's top uh, dog walking and pet sitting company, and uh, which I have recently sold to one of my walkers. And while I was doing that, I wanted to be able to care for some dogs in my home while their owners were on vacation. But the only dogs I'm not allergic to are poodles and doodles. So. Those are the dogs that my family has personally had. And then as I progressed in doing dog training professionally and academics, I found that they're a really underserved uh, population for education. So they are a top breed for people that want a family dog or their first dog, but they often don't know the extensive grooming needs that they have or the extended puppyhood. Uh, and it can be a pretty divisive topic amongst pet professionals. So my goal is to bridge the doodle divide. Uh, a lot of groomers and trainers and vets even are really frustrated with doodles sometimes. And I want to help bring uh, their expertise to doodle families in a really welcoming and friendly way. So briefly, why is why are doodles divisive? What's so what's difficult about their grooming? And is there anything difficult about their behavior? What's yes, up with doodles? They are wonderful. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. My whole career is focused on them. Mm -hmm. um, and they look like real life teddy bears. Yes. Uh, but sometimes they can give the impression for someone who hasn't owned a dog or particularly these mixes that they aren't still an animal. Um, and that adorable fluffy with curls coat comes with an increased risk of matting, which really can feel like a dog is being mummified in their own fur and can be really painful. But unfortunately, when people get their doodle from their breeders, it doesn't come with a full 
you know, stream of education on there's correct and incorrect brushes. Here's how you habituate your dog and desensitize them to the tools. How often you need to go to the groomer, which is much more uh, than people anticipate. A groom can cost about a hundred dollars, depending more or less based on the size of your dog. Um, and that you should be going every four weeks. Wow. And people don't anticipate they've already paid a premium charge for this wonderful breed mix. Uh, and they don't anticipate that increased cost uh, and maintenance. Wow. They're very clean. <laughs> Your home is super clean with them. Coming along with that has some costs that uh, some people don't know. And they have a longer puppyhood. So a lot of people meet a calm adult doodle and think that's the dog I want. Mm. Um, but it took a while to get there and it took a lot of training. There's increased jumping. Uh, poodles have a protective guard dog nature to them, which comes with some increased anxiety and barking. Um, so they are wonderful and they have my heart, but I want to help doodle parents out there or prospective doodle parents know how to get through the tough things so they can get to that sweet spot with their dog. Wow. I had no idea about all of those issues with them. <laughs> yes, there's many groomers have shut down their shop to doodle clients. They won't even take them. Oh, no. Yes. And there's there's hate Facebook groups. Um, why are all doodle people like this? Uh, did you brush it with a spoon? Um, and it could get the vitriol in those could be pretty bad. Of I wish all doodles would burn in a fire kind oh. of talk. Yeah, it's terrible. It really is. So even if you have a problem with how they're bred or that there's not a breed standard, mm -hmm. people have these dogs and they're part of their family, mm -hmm. and they deserve education and yeah. care and training, like you know, skills, just Absolutely. like everyone else. Yeah, with. All dog, not even breeds, but with all dogs, mm -hmm. it's usually the people who need the training more, at least as much as, if not more than the dogs do. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of um, online courses that are sold with the dog from the breeder mm -hmm. that are really popular when the people get their dog from a breeder. And those can have some great resources, but having somebody explain to you this is how to read their body language yawning doesn't usually mean that a dog is tired that yeah. is a sign of stress or anxiety yeah. lip licking doesn't usually mean that they're hungry that's usually a sign of stress and anxiety mm -hmm. and knowing well if they're stressed or anxious does that mean they need a firmer hand mm -hmm. or do you need to counter condition what those emotions are and help them through it so you don't have long-term issues wow that's fascinating. Yeah, there oh, is a lot to learn. Oh, my goodness. And they're worth it. Like, yeah. they, the relationship is just so worth it. Yeah. So interesting. Thank you. So tell us about your podcast, the Doodle am, Pro Podcast. Thank you. I'm so thrilled. Uh, as the time that we're recording it, uh, we have uh, recording this interview, it has been live for five weeks. And <laughs> already. I mean, yes. for me, it still feels like yesterday to me. <laughs> it really does. Um, and I've been in business as the Doodle Pro for five years. So I've had 
I have some followers and I have uh, clients in person that I work with in Denver, Colorado. So I didn't start from scratch, scratch with an audience, but I've never done a podcast before. I've never been a guest on a podcast or anything. And within two weeks, it hit number three on Apple's charts on pets and animals. And it just keeps spreading worldwide. So it's staying consistently top 10 in the U.S., uh, week after week, and that now it's become top ten in Canada, Australia, the UK, the Netherlands, Belgium, um, Croatia. It's look I, at you! Oh my goodness! Somehow it's number one in Malta right now. Oh. I must confess, I had to look it up on the map. Sorry for my Malta <laughs> listeners, um, but doodles are popular worldwide. They're not going anywhere. Um, but I must confess they might've had a spike in Australia because the term doodle there has a term for like the male part of the body. (laughs) Um, For those who thought it was going to be an all color podcast, I'm glad they stuck around with me. They call them oodles there. Oh Um, goodness. Yes. (laughs) That was a learning point for me too. Some Aussies may think you're the penis bro. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. And it is, I have that as not the penis part, but the doodle part as my license tag on my car uh, that I'm the doodle pro. And so for my Australian expats that are here in the U.S., they might get a giggle. Oh, funny. That is fantastic. Yes. (laughs) So how long had you been thinking about doing a podcast? I had thought about it for about four or five months. I am creating some courses, online courses, and have an online membership, uh, a paid membership for doodle parents. And I wanted to be able to spread the word and reach a broader audience Mm -hmm. um, as to my expertise, but also help people all over with their needs for doodles. They don't need to be, you know, enrolled in my membership or course to be able to enjoy uh, some information and help. And so, yeah, you just spread internationally from doing your podcast, you know, online, it's being online, you know, any online business has the possibility of spreading internationally, but with a podcast, boom, and it's not easy, you know, it's not easy to go international, but you did this quickly because listeners exist all over the world. And when you have a topic like yours that is of interest to international people, then it's possible for people all over the world to start listening. And I'm, well, I'm just so honored and like humbled by it. Um, we are above Animal Planets podcast. God. Uh, like the TV show, it's me or the dog, Victoria Stillwell. She's an famous international trainer. We've like gone above that. And just my little, I'm in my master bedroom right now with the microphone and a computer. Um, but it does speak to the value of niching down. Yeah. And people could see a dozen, dozens of puppy training podcasts, but there's only one for their doodles. Yeah. Absolutely. You are so right. Picking a tight niche for your podcast is so helpful. If you can come up with 
that one tight concept, it, it really helps your podcast stand out. Now, what would you say though, to people who are saying, okay, but then you have only that one thing to talk about forever. Well, if there's something that, if there's an area that people always ask you questions about, you usually can catch yourself like, oh, I could go on forever. I was just at a tennis match last night and somebody said, oh, my neighbor just got a doodle. And I had to stop myself from like dominating the conversation because I was like, what are you doing for socialization? What about, like, I just, I could go on and mm -hmm. on. And you don't have to cover everything in one episode. Like people really like the, uh, oh, barking. Okay. Great. I want to listen to that one. Pulling on a leash. Okay. And sometimes it's the curse of knowledge where you forget what pe other people don't know. That's um, a great point. You know so much about doodles, but for doodle parents, think about if they're brand new, they don't know anything. And even more importantly, they may know the wrong stuff. They may know some myths about doodles. Yes. So you and have a lot of myths to to clear up. We, I come from a humane, um, positive reinforcement based uh, method. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where the science shows is the most effective. Uh, so I enjoy educating people on if, okay, if you throw a bark collar on, that'll work. Like probably they'll probably resist the symptom, which is barking. Um, to avoid pain or discomfort, uh, but we're not addressing why they're barking mm -hmm. and how to identify. Are they doing it out of fear or anxiety or is it just self-rewarding and it's become a habit? Or do we bark back and say, quiet? And to them, that sounds like a bark. Right. Um, so looking at the underlying reasons um, can really keep that relationship with your doodle intact and strong instead of breaking down um, just because we're covering the symptoms. And with content, so, you know, if you think about how would I have enough content to talk about a tight niche forever, you can do an episode on barking, which is yeah. huge. You can do an episode on a bark collar. That's a whole episode right there. Yeah. So broad episode, break it down into tiny, you know, not tiny episodes, but tiny topics. And then you're talking forever. You mentioned socialization. Mm -hmm. That's practically an infinite number of That could be its right own there. podcast. Exactly. I mean, there's literal books written on it. And I, I'm interviewing um, two who just wrote a, a best-selling book on socialization for puppies. And I'm going to have to split that into two episodes. Mm -hmm. Just their interview. And I yeah. know I could talk to them for hours personally. Mm -hmm. uh, just to keep it tight and interesting for my listeners. Yeah. And you can have them back one day. Yes. Yeah. That's and with right. people that are thinking about a podcast, I've been on social media, Instagram and Facebook primarily for five years. And I am almost at 3,000 posts on Instagram. My podcast in five weeks has reached a much greater audience. Wow. But I feel like the competition, I'm doing reels, I do, you know, educational informative posts like you know you see cute doodle puppies every day on my instagram the doodle pro but um getting real knowledge and people being able to multitask and not just swipe to the next thing has really created a different level of engagement 
in a broader yeah. audience. That's fantastic. Yeah. So how are you sharing your episodes? Like beyond having- just putting them out as a podcast? Yes, I have uh, an email list of about 600 um, and I email them once uh, when it's released. So I do right now weekly episodes and then I use Facebook, TikTok and Instagram. I make the same videos in Canva and repurpose them for each of those. I'm not making a fully new um, video. No need. No need. And I use CapCut or video leap to make those on my phone. Um, and I record my interviews on StreamYard. So then I have a video that I can use for that content. And I just clip out my favorite parts. Uh, so I do, I would say two posts the day of release, two posts the next day, and then a post on the third. I really try and target the first 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but as this is such a passionate niche, on Facebook, I'm in a lot of groups of doodle parents. So there's Aussie doodle page, a Bernie doodle page, a golden doodle page. And the same questions come up over and over. Mm. And I target my topics to the biggest pain points. Mm. So I offer advice and then include a link if you want to learn more. Here's a link to an episode I did on that in there. And I'm not just spamming the page, like announcing right. Like podcast, right? Um, no, but no group wants that, and that's mm-hmm. too salesy. Mm-hmm. But my goal is to help people, and if right. somebody's asking a question that I've thoroughly addressed to help people, um, I feel like I can share that in the comments, and I get great feedback. This was amazing, thank you. And I see a spike if I spend if I devote like thirty minutes, I see a spike in listener ship right afterwards. That's great. And being in these groups, you're also getting episode topic ideas because of the questions that they're asking. Yes, I see real themes and I see the language they use Mm. to describe how it's making them feel. Like today I saw, do I have the only stupid doodle? And (laughs) like, why is it swallowing my underwear? Like (laughs) those are two titles for episodes right there. Yes. Excellent. Which I never would, I just wouldn't have thought of that. I think of it from an educational trainer mindset. Yeah. And, but, you know, the stuff that wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning that you're worried about, what are they getting into right now? Yeah. Are they in the garbage, et cetera? Do I have Um, the only stupid doodle? Yes. Because Katie's are known as like one of the two smartest breeds. So they were like, this is, was I sold a broken good? (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. So yeah, that would be fabulous then if you're starting your own podcast and you're afraid that you're going to run out of ideas, be on the lookout for people's questions in whatever Facebook groups you're in on your topic and jot down those questions, you know, keep a list, keep a spreadsheet of these questions, or I do it in Apple notes. I love Apple notes. It's like my favorite. So write all these down and make note when that could be your exact title, especially if it's Googleable. Now, do I have the only stupid doodle is not Googleable, but, but it's a great like thing to say right in the beginning to yes. get your listener's ear. It's a great or even in the description. Yeah, and absolutely. I 
definitely prioritized. I moved interviews around for air dates, um, despite when I'd recorded them and stuff, mm -hmm. based on the most popular topics I had seen in those yes. groups. Yes. Because really if I went idea. out the gate, my my highest, right now it's at 800 downloads mm -hmm. uh, in a month. And my hottest topic was what groomers wish you knew about your doodle. Mm. And groomers love it because they're sharing it to their clients because I get to be the bad guy and <laughs> interview an industry expert on grooming. And we get to share like, this is what we're doing that's driving groomers crazy and why they're closing their doors to us. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, people are always complaining uh, that they poodled their doodle. Gosh. And <laughs> And explaining, well, let's talk about what that means and how to get the cut you're looking for. Oh, goodness. That's funny. So you are really strategic with your podcast. Yeah. So do you have any tips for strategies for starting a podcast, especially when you first launch one? I would say research ahead as to what their pain points are first. Um, is it something you like talking about or is it what your audience is worried about and what mm -hmm. their needs are? There's a lot of training topics that I think are the most important, but they're not really on the radar of the doodle parents yet. And uh, we'll get there, mm -hmm. but I need them in my realm and sphere uh, to, to hear that because they're not going to click on it uh, early. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so we were just mentioning ago, like, and, and the clicking on it, how titles really are important. Like mm -hmm. a cutesy title may appeal to us, but if it doesn't indicate what the episode is about, nobody is going to click on it. That has helped me a lot that I went back and changed my titles. Mm. I was keeping them short and catchy. Um, and I then learned more about SEO and I want the search engines to show my episode as a result. Right. So then I did some research on guests, which is an amount of um, searches. I did some research on Uber Suggest to see what are the top questions related to this keyword, related to this search and phrased it in those ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then added some more of those in the description so it could show up. But I made my titles a lot longer and more descriptive. Um, and one of them that I said that I think people need to know but isn't as exciting or sexy of a topic was child and dog safety. A lot of people don't think about, you know, keeping their dog and any children around them safe until there's a problem, until they, there's child space has been nipped. Yeah. Or something. But there's great ways to prevent that and set them up for success. So my right. first title was like child and dog safety. Mm -hmm. and, and so now it's advocate for your doodle around children. Even doodles can bite a child's face. Perfect. Because can a doodle do doodles bite children or do I for, I mean, it's like my doodle bought my bit my child's face was a top topic mm. on Google. Yeah. And so targeting that, listening doubled, like right yeah. away. That's amazing. Yeah, I love how 
you test out things. You know, you put something out there, you do the research, you tweak it. We shouldn't be afraid to do that. You know, I think so many people think, well, I've already published it. It's already out there. People have seen it. I can't change anything. You can. You can change things in your podcast hosting provider setup at any time. It's not permanent on Apple. You can upload a new file. You can upload a new audio. You can upload a new um, cover art. I mean, it's a a new logo, you know what I mean? And it's not ideal to do that, but you can. I've done it. I've changed the name of my podcast. Um, you, You can change the title. You can change the description. You can change the audio file. So if something's not working, test it and change it. And we're under assessment by Apple for uh, new and noteworthy. Mm-hmm. I know, knock on wood, that would be amazing. Uh, but they don't like uh, numbered episodes right. in their titles. No, I do. I think as I have a larger library, it's easier to say go to episode 43 right. and listen to that topic. But I know, so I'm leaving the episode numbers off while I'm under consideration. So it looks the best for them. Um, but after that period has closed, then I'm going to go back and add the episode number in the right. beginning because I can update it. And Kelly, yeah. you actually helped me a great deal. I didn't know were there ethics or rules about editing audio after it had already aired. Um, and one of my guests said something that my audience had found offensive. And I thought what they shared had merit. And I immediately responded. I read about it in a Facebook group when they were discussing my podcast. And I immediately responded and said, I hear you. What you're saying is valid. And I am immediately taking that out of the podcast. Um, And I messaged my guest saying that, you know, that got in the way of our message and what you were trying to share. And I removed it. And I mean, they were ready with like pitchforks. (laughs) And And my immediate response and rectifying it wasn't seen as like a cover up or like you're erasing your mistake to try to avoid it. They felt like I addressed it head on and I rectified it. And I appreciate because I reached out to you and you really helped me there Um, because I was like, oh, no. Yeah. 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 You don't need that at any time, especially not at the beginning. And it. The, those people were your audience. Yes. Yeah. They were your listeners. So, and they yeah. had really valuable feedback that was, I agree with. Yeah. I love how you handled it and that it's awesome that they responded so positively. And I think that that engendered more loyal listeners for you. Oh. Yeah. That was great. So, in addition to that, have you? <laughs> had any other challenges with podcasting i would say editing content after five years of this being my specialty i could talk ad nauseum Mm. and i've got a great network of people um editing is not my skill set uh and it seems to be and i'm a perfectionist so Mm. when there's a transcript i like all the punctuation to be perfect Yes. And edit out every guest um and all so they come across perfectly polished. I want to give them the best presentation um to my audience that I can mm. in my own ums and stumbles. Uh so I outsourced it on Fiverr. Mm-hmm. 
And that took a good deal off of my plate, but I still went through on Fiverr. You can go in the file and say at this second mark, please remove this. Yeah. And it was basically like I was doing the editing, pointing out every error, except I wasn't on the software. Um, so I'm blinking on the name of it, the software that you introduced me to. Descript. Oh my God, I'm their biggest fan now. So with that, hey, we're their yes. we're their top best fans. Yeah. I, I keep so. recommending it to everyone. Yes. The script has helped so much. It's taking less time than telling an audio engineer in another country what I want to change. I just change it by changing the text. Yep. And then I get these great video clips that are so easy to find by just using the transcript. I can highlight it and then it pulls out that video. I love their audiograms. That is my last guest I just did for an interview. She was so impressed by my promos for her interview. She was just like, I haven't seen you know anything like this on other podcasts that I've been a guest mm -hmm. on. So I apologize to my Fiverr. <laughs> Staff member, but Descript has replaced him. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Yes. I, I love Descript so much. And I'm still doing more complicated videos in mm -hmm. uh, Adobe Premiere Pro. But for all of my podcasts, uh, podcast videos, I'm doing it in Descript. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So Descript yes. and Canva yeah. are my top. Um, I also use a booking like a uh, software subscription mm -hmm. so my guests can book on there and then it sends them to a Google form for intake. Great. And that's helped standardize things a bit for me. So I have their picture, like their headshot ready for my cover art. Uh, it has their short bio. If they're wanting to pitch any freebies or gifts to my guests that's already in there and I have it in one place Beautiful. and I have to go back and forth. Yeah. And that streamlined that a lot for me. That's a great idea. Love it. Yeah. It's so much easier than chasing them on email and yes, realizing once you've done the interview that, oh my Lord, they never gave me their photo. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. I hope I gave you mine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's fabulous. What is your definition of a successful podcast or, or what is, what does a successful podcast mean to you? I just had an in-person client pick up their doodle from me yesterday and they said, oh, your podcast has been so helpful. And I had another who said, I didn't think I should listen because we don't have a puppy anymore. But then I started listening and your topics help my three-year-old dog so much. And so that feedback, um, when you look at the love languages, uh, words of affirmation are mine. So that feels like a success. I've helped people and they care enough. We have 77 reviews and ratings. Wow. Um, and to me, that means that somebody was impacted enough to take the time I don't have that many friends that would like <laughs> preview like that um, on something they don't care about. Yeah. Uh, so that to me feels successful that I've helped people. Mm -hmm. And then I believe that's translating into success in download numbers. I definitely stalk the charts and the downloads. 
Yeah. Um, as it was growing higher and higher to number three, yeah. I kept like yelling out to my family. And yep. <laughs> so I know that that's not, that trajectory is quicker than, um, than could happen. Uh, but both of those, like the feedback and knowing I'm helping and that people keep coming back and listening more. Yeah. Really feels great. Absolutely. Yeah. And that helping people knowing that you have helped someone really does feel good. So you must be feeling just fabulous. Yes. And it's also adding Instagram followers, people like following me on Instagram to see like the behind the scenes of the dogs I'm working with that day. And then my lead magnet uh, email when I gift a resource to my listeners, they're adding to my list like five to 10 a day right now. Mm, and it's great. Yeah. yeah. So it really, podcasting really can be good for business, can't it? Yeah. That's great. And I'm glad you're saying that already. That's awesome. Yes. I like the data. Yes. I yes. love data too. <laughs> Track my numbers and everything. Right? It's fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can get obsessive about it, which is not good. So I know I should maybe close the tab. Buzzsprout. <sighs> yeah. It's not every fresh every morning. Yeah. But- yeah. I I track once a week, but I do look like in my spreadsheet once a week, but I do check um, on every release date now later in the evening to see what I happens. I find it motivating. Day. Yeah. And I'm a yeah. little competitive. So then <laughs> can I beat that episode high of downloads? So yeah. True. Yeah. And that other podcast, what which, you know, whatever, not one in particular, but yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, the one that you also admire and does well. Right. And, yeah. Or Animal Planet, like you said earlier. <laughs> that must feel freaking awesome. There's no dig on Animal Planet. No, I just picture that they have the resources that are far above right. this but, little doodle trainer in Colorado. But like you mentioned earlier, this is the power of, of niching. Mm. That there are a bunch of animal podcast <laughs> but how many doodle podcasts are there yeah so for people who are looking for information and help with their doodle they're not going to animal planet or national geographic they're coming to you lucky me i yes. am grateful definitely you felt you filled a need so that's awesome thank you so The podcasting community is also super supportive, isn't it? And so just a little, little selfish plug here. You are part of the Women Podcasters Academy. That's the only way I was able to launch. I couldn't have done it without. Yeah. You're sweet. So how have you found, how has it helped you to be part of a community like that? Well, Kelly, your course really laid out what steps I needed to take and took a lot of the legwork of the research out for me. Mm. So I didn't know what mic to get or like I mentioned software or how to use it. Where should I host? Uh, I had been just stumbling around through the internet trying to find what's the best host. And a lot of these are opinion based and um, really just somebody laying it out for me. 
this is the best way you want to be on a weekly schedule this or at the least bi-weekly just these are best practices made me feel more secure in launching um and then i mentioned that i reached out to you as like an sos <laughs> i was able to do that because we have our weekly calls mm-hmm. and those feel almost like a one-on-one coaching and when I'm getting my specific individual questions answered, I also get to glean information from my other podcasting colleague of what they're doing and what's yeah. working or not working for them. So I'm learning from them and everyone is just supporting each other. Uh, I chat on Instagram with one of your other students and we oh. share like, are you doing this course? Oh, I love that, you know, yeah. promo post that you did and stuff. It's there's enough to go around of listeners yeah and more than enough and there's not a feeling of competitiveness amongst your students it's all support um and cheering on with legitimate resources yeah so i've I've shared your course a lot you are so people that want to get off the ground and get started yeah i love how so many of y'all have become friends outside yeah. of the group and yes. yeah it really is a, a tight-knit awesome group of women yeah i love it thank you so. for creating that community it's oh great absolutely and thank you for being part of it and being such an advocate i love it and congratulations on all of your success i'm just so thank thrilled you. to see it and be an advocate of yours. I just oh, love thank it. you, absolutely. And thanks for helping me troubleshoot and bringing new, you know, and Descript came around that changed things. And you're always updating us and telling us new resources and best practices. It's my job, and I'm excited to do it. I was just chomping at the bit to tell y'all about Descript. I was so tempted to email and just post it in the group. I'm like, no, I want to do a demonstration. That will be it. so much more powerful than just emailing. It's like just a few more days, a few more days. <laughs> I could barely stand it. <laughs> they should sponsor you at some point. But I mean, it just made life so much easier. <laughs> True. Yes, it does. Mine too. Oh, no, I didn't ask how people can find you. I would love your listeners if they have a doodle uh, to follow me and they can find me at thedoodlepro.com. And if they want to see behind the scenes work and the adorable doodles I get to work with every day in person, they can go to Instagram or Facebook at The Doodle Pro. Um, And then my podcast is The Doodle Pro. So consistent across all. And then if you have a dog of any breed, you are welcome to download my free list of the best treats to get your dog to listen to you the first time. Um, The value of treat really matters when you're asking difficult behavior. So that's at thedoodlepro.com backslash top treats. Awesome. Thank you for that. I will put all those links in the show notes and on this episode's page on my website. So y'all check that out. Be sure to listen to the Doodle Pro podcast and Corinne's uh, Instagram is fabulous. So y'all be sure to follow her there too. You're very kind. I embarrass myself daily on there. (laughs) It is so much fun. Not not if you're embarrassing yourself, but I just mean your feed is fabulous. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to the podcast Launchpad. Be sure to follow so you don't miss a single episode. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email or send me a DM on Instagram. Follow the links in the show notes. I really appreciate you for being here. See you next time on the podcast Launchpad.